But it's so true. It's so true that our lives are not just here and now, doing our stuff, making things happen. Actually, there's an underlying, undergirding thing that we as Christians have in our lives, and that is prayer. And last week I talked about that. I talked about how basically we just got to start praying. You just got to come to God as you are and start praying. Don't think you've got to have the right words. Don't think you've got to say the right stuff. Don't think you've got to have a pure motives because if we're honest, all of us have impure motives in some way or other. We all have our own ideas. We all have our own things that are, that are we're not 100% pure in our motives. That's okay. God just wants you to come to him any way you can because he's a God of love. And he wants a relationship with you. And that's, that's where prayer starts, is in relationship with God. That's, that's the essence of prayer. It's just talking to God like you'd talk to a friend. So we're going to start praying. If you want to, I'll summarize the message for, for last week. It was start praying. And if, you're not, if you are praying a little, start praying more. Uh, but this week, uh, a bit deeper, because how many of you know beginning is easy? Starting to pray, that's easy. But finishing is a whole nother level. And, and let's be honest, in our lives, it's finishing that, that counts. You might start going to the gym in January. But, but November, December rolls around. You, are you still there? Have you finished out the year well? Just a show of hands. How many of you have had prayers that you've prayed answered? Show hands. Okay, that's good. How many of you have had prayers that have not been answered? Okay, that's good. How many of you will just not put your hand up regardless of what I say? <laughs> oh, you shouldn't be putting your hand up now. I've prayed prayers and I've seen amazing things. But I've also prayed prayers and, and had no answer. And I can't tell you definitively why some of your prayers will not be answered. Because there are many answers. And, and I realize that this is a very short series, so I can't touch on, on, on everything in this. But here are some reasons, just a couple of reasons why your prayers may not be answered. Maybe your prayer is not, uh, it's not actually part of God's will. Maybe he's got a better or different plan in store. Maybe the timing was not right. God will answer it, but just not right then. Maybe somebody is, out, is praying the opposite. Have you ever thought about that? While you're praying for a beautiful day so you can do your favorite sport, someone else is praying that it will rain so they don't have to do that activity. Who knows? The other thing is that other people have free will. You can pray, but ultimately, you know, other people have free will. God has made us not robots. He's given us a free will. Uh, other things that can affect it, the number of people praying, the faith of those praying, or the faith of those being prayed for. There's a spiritual battle as well. In Daniel, it talks about, you know, how Michael the angel was, uh, was held up. Because, uh, so there's a spiritual element that we just don't understand. But actually, I think one of the reasons why our prayers aren't answered is that we're actually not praying specific enough prayers. We're just praying kind of vague prayers. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I do it all the time. We kind of answer, ask these kind of, oh, God, bless that person. Or, um, you know, just, yeah, just bless that situation. Well, that's nice. But, you know, 
maybe you should just send them good vibes. Because really, what, what, what is that prayer? You've got to ask specific things. You've got you to you ask specifically. Because the idea behind that is that God gets the glory when those prayers are answered. But, but some, some of the prayers you pray, you wouldn't know if they're answered or not. Be like, well, I prayed for God's favor in my life. And some things are good and some things are not. So maybe, maybe he answered. But see, the currency of heaven is faith. And it takes far more faith to pray a specific prayer, like lay hands on someone and believe for healing from cancer, than it does just to pray, oh, God, bless that person. And, and sometimes I think our prayers, we need to get specific. We need to actually go, God, I want to see this happen, possibly in this time frame. Now, he's not your magic genie. He's just not going to, you know, you rub the lamp and it's just going to happen. But there's a truth to the fact that, that when we get specific, when we get really down to the nitty-gritty, that's when God goes, yeah, they really want this. They're genuine about this. And that will stir faith in you and that will hopefully bring about an answer to your prayer. And the thing is about specific prayers is that God... If they aren't specific, God gets robbed of the glory that that, that should be his because when we kind of second guess, we just call it uh, a coincidence. Whereas if they're specific, God receives the glory in that situation. Sometimes, though, there's, there's just no understandable reason why your prayers don't get answered. And, and I have to say that I don't have the answer here for you this morning. God is sovereign. His ways are higher than ours. Sometimes... We just don't understand, and we're not supposed to. He's God, remember? He is completely other, completely different, completely above, and you can't always understand what he's doing. But I am convinced that he is for us. Anybody else convinced this morning that God is for us? And therefore, I believe that he's our biggest fan. He is He is for us in a way that we just don't even understand. He does, he's our greatest cheerleader, and he wants to answer our prayers. He loves to answer our prayers, which, again, begs that question, well, why, does, why, why do they not always get answered? And I, I think today I just want to touch on one reason, and I think it's a very key reason why often our prayers don't get answered, and that is this, that we just don't pray through. We pray for things. Oh, Lord, I'd like to see this happen, and I'm gonna, oh, I'll pray for you. But often we stop there. We shoot up a prayer, and then that's it. And the thing might happen or it might not, but that's our, that's our praying done. Too often we stop too early in our prayers. And we kind of fatalistically play that, that God is sovereign kind of card uh, so it didn't happen, so therefore I won't pass go and I won't collect the answer to my prayer. Uh, we're kind of like, oh yeah, I prayed, but it didn't happen. But today I want to talk to you about a very powerful idea. If I said last week that we need to begin praying, this week I'm saying we need to keep on praying until we see the answer. We need to learn the art of praying through. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to pray through. Come on, say it like you mean it. I'm going to pray through. Because sometimes praying for a situation isn't enough. Sometimes our prayers remain unanswered because we simply stop. 
Because the thing is, there's a spiritual resistance to the, some of the answers to our prayers. And we live in a microwave generation. We really do. We've just got things at, at the tip of our fingers. Your little phone can give you all the information you want right here and now and instantaneously. And we expect that with our prayers. That's why we have that stupid stuff called instant coffee. Seriously, it only takes two minutes and you can have a nice coffee, a real one. But no, we're, we're, we're too impatient. We want things now. And it's the same with God in our prayers. We, we want things to change now, thanks God. I prayed for that once. If we'll do it, we need to, to develop the art of praying through. Because as I said the start, God is about relationship. And that prayer, that prayer life that we have develops relationship with Him. This phrase, praying through, comes from a lady called Elizabeth Debney. She's an African, or was an African-American woman. And in 1925, her husband began a ministry in Philadelphia. And uh, she felt a burden from God to pray. And this is what she said to God. She said, Lord, if you will bless my husband in the place you sent him to establish your name, if you'll break the bonds and destroy the middle wall of partition, if you will give him a church and congregation, a credit to your people and all Christendom, I will walk with you for three years in prayer both day and night. I will meet you every morning at 9 a.m. sharp. You will never have to wait for me. I will be there to greet you. I will stay there all day. I will devote all of my time to you. Furthermore, if you will listen to the voice of my supplication and break through in that wicked neighborhood and bless my husband, I will fast 72 hours each week. For those of you who want to do the math, that's three days uh, while I am going, uh, yeah, for each week for two years. While I am going through the fast, I will not go home to sleep in my bed. I will stay in church, and if I get sleepy, I'll rest on newspapers and carpet. Okay, now, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. As soon as she made this promise, it, she says it's like a spiritual cloud burst over her situation. And she, every morning at 9 a.m., she would go to the church. She would meet the Lord with a good morning, Jesus. She would kneel, and she would pray until her, the skin wore off her knees. She fasted, said she, she suffered. But she said she had a direct supply from heaven. And the mission her and her husband uh, had that it grew, it outgrew where they were. A businessman just randomly sold his business for 25 years and gave them the building. Uh, and, 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 and it just it grew and it flourished. And people came. And some, some good, well meaning people actually criticized her. They, uh, they, they, they would shake her and they'd, say, they'd try and pull her away and say, hey, you know, this is too much. What you're doing is. You're, you're, you're a bit crazy. And she was called an old witch and a magic book reader. Um, but she said that when they came and they saw her tear-stained face, they repented with tears. And she said, the Lord was so sweet in my soul. He amused me with the scriptures and supported me with his arms. And no one actually would have heard of Mother Dabney had not the Philadelphia, um, the Pentecostal evangel publish her testimony, and it was named What It Means to Pray Through. And from this, get this, this is way back in the 1920s. From this, she received more than 3 million letters from all over the world from people wanting to know what it means to pray through. You see, there's a, there's a desire in all of us for more of God, but sometimes we just don't know how to stir it up how to do it. And we don't see our prayers answered because we quit too early. 
We try and problem solve our issues. We're in actual fact, we need to prayer solve our issues. We need to start prayer solving, not just problem solving. We need to learn how to pray through. The people of Israel did this. I've t- touched on this story before. You know this story of, of uh, the, the Israelites going around and around and around the city of Jericho. They went around it on the last day six times. And then they stopped. No. But imagine if, if they had. You see, so many of our problems, they're, they're not solved by, by natural means. The natural means for the Israelite army would be to attack the city, to get some, make some catapults and, 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 and try and bring down the walls. But they didn't have those resources. And so they prayed. You see, if we think of our lives as a story, in, a, in any life, there'll be headlines. There'll be great things that happen. But you see, to every great headline, there's a footnote. And that footnote is prayer. So your prayers are the footnote to every headline of your life. And every, every amazing thing that is going to happen in your life is based on prayer. Maybe not even your prayers. Maybe the prayers of your grandmother. Maybe the prayers of someone else in your life. But we get focused on the headlines when we need to focus on the footnotes. We need to get on our knees and we need to get praying. And our prayers will really change the course of history. You know, there's a, there's a branch of study of history called counterfactual theory. I don't know who these people are, but counterfactual theorists, oh, this will be a fun job, they ask the what if questions. You know, what if Hitler had won World War II? What if New Zealand was settled by the French and not the English? <laughs> well, how would history have unfolded? What would the alternate reality be like? I'd be preaching to you probably in French. But what are the key footnotes that would have or could change the headlines of history? See, reading the Bible, was you can read it like a counterfactual theorist. You can kind of go, well, what if the people of Israel walking around Jericho had stopped after six? Well, actually after 12, because they went around it six days leading up to that. After 12 times around that city, what if they'd stopped there? Well, you, you could work it out. They would have missed out. They would have forfeited the miracle, the promise, right before it happened. Right before it happened, if they'd stopped circling. What if the thing that you want to see change in your life, the thing that you have been praying on and off for, what if you're just one prayer away from it? What if you're just one prayer away and you've given up? Because most of us don't see what we want to see in God because we give up too early. We quit too early. We quit praying right when the miracle is about to happen. We need to learn to pray through. And there's a great story in the Bible. Don't worry, I've got some Bible verses for those of you who are waiting for them. Here we go. Luke 18, verses 1 to 8. This is the classic story that Jesus tells of praying through. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show, it even says at the start, to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. 
I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. I'm not going to go anywhere near that verse just now. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? So it starts. The author Luke tells us, this is a story to make sure that you keep praying. And you, you just keep praying. That you pray through. And the first thing we need to learn, I've only really got two main points. The keys to praying through Number one is we need to pray hard. The phrase the judge uses to describe the widow's persistence is that she's wearing me out. She's going 12 rounds with the judge. She's going the distance. She's gone into a heavyweight prayer bout. We can do that with God. Go into a heavyweight prayer bout with God. And, it, and I tell you, it can be exhausting. It can even be painful, but that's how the greatest prayer victories are won. Because praying hard is more than just words. It's, it's our blood, it's sweat and tears. And it's, and it's two-dimensional as well. It's working like it all depends on us and praying like it all depends on God. Do you get that? Too many of us, we miss that out. We, we pray and then we, we try and do it all ourselves. And we think that actually it's us doing it. Or the opposite, that we, 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 we pray and we don't do any work. It's both of those things put together. Praying and working at it and doing whatever it takes to show God you're serious. Because desperate times require desperate measures. There comes a time when you just need to throw caution to the wind and pray as hard as you can for as long as it needs to see the answer. You need to defy protocol. And do what it takes. Because that's what this, this woman did. She wouldn't take no for an answer. She wouldn't. She just wouldn't take no for an answer. And we don't know what the injustice was that was committed against her. Maybe her, her son was falsely imprisoned and she's coming for justice. Maybe her, her daughter was, uh, was treated poorly by man and he's still roaming the streets free. We don't know. All we know is that whatever it was, she was not going to give up until she got justice he knew she would just circle his house until the day she died until she got her answer the judge knew there was no quit in the persistent widow does the judge know that about you does our God know that there's just no quit in you how desperate are you for a miracle how long and how loud will you knock on the door? Until you knock it down? We actually need to learn to be that bold and persistent. Because if you aren't desperate, then you won't take desperate measures. See, the, the persistent widow's technique was quite unorthodox. She probably should have waited for her day in court. There probably was a day set some time, but she couldn't or she wouldn't. And so she, she broke with orthodoxy. She broke with what should happen, and she just came to the judge's door. Like, it's surprising the judge didn't put out a restraining order against her. Like, that's what would happen today. She went to the personal 
residence of the judge. That's crossing the line. That's a bit unorthodox. But you see, that, that's actually what Jesus is commending here. Because that God is not a God of the orthodox. He doesn't actually give a rip about protocol. If he did, Jesus would have, wouldn't have, would have chosen Pharisees as disciples, not a bunch of fishermen and random guys from the street. He wouldn't have honored a tax collector who was in a tree desperately trying to see him. He wouldn't have honored a prostitute who crashed a party just to come and, and wash his feet. He wouldn't have honored four friends who lowered a man through a roof in a house just to see their mate healed. Jesus, would, These stories wouldn't have been in the Bible if our God was a God of doing the right thing and ticking the protocol. No, our God is a God of desperate measures. Our God is a God who wants a passion in us, church. Am I preaching better than you're responding? I think I am. I think we need to get something in our hearts that's stirred up, that has a passion to see things change. Because without it, nothing will. God wanted, sorry, the persistent widow wanted God to come through, or her, the judge to come through so badly that she just wouldn't stop. She annoyed him too much. Now, I'm not suggesting we should be annoying to God, but Jesus tells us the story. It's him commending this woman, so he actually wants us to kind of be like her. Nothing's actually changed. God still honors the desperate. God still honors those who won't take no for an answer. God is still honoring those who will climb trees just to get a view of Jesus. He's still honoring those who, are, who though they've got sin in their life, will come and kneel at the feet of Jesus and pour out their love to him. He still honors those who, who bust through just to get, see a change, a miracle in their friend's life, a healing for them. He honors those who would do what, beyond what is called ordinary, beyond what is normal. Those who pray with audacity and tenacity and will just stick at it. That is what got the widow over the line. She prayed hard. And I suggest that too often we don't see answers to our prayers because we don't pray hard enough. We're just like, oh, well, God didn't answer it. Oh, well. No, get in his face again and ask again. So we've got to pray hard. The other one, closely related, is we've got to pray long. Our lives are not a sprint. They're a marathon. It's not just how we begin, it's how we finish. It really doesn't matter how you begin a marathon. You can begin sitting down and get up and run. It doesn't matter. It matters how you begin a sprint. If you start sitting down, you're not going to win. Our lives are a long-distance race, and we've got to learn that God is into long-distance relationships. Not distance-wise, but length of time. He wants to grow over time with us. And as we pray and we pray and we pray for the same things over and over again, there comes a depth to our relationships. See, the widow in that story, she came repeatedly, it says. We don't know how long. It doesn't actually specify it was just long enough. It was just long enough. I think we're just going to pray long enough. Have you seen answer to your prayer? Well, you haven't prayed long enough. <laughs> Has it happened? No, well, you haven't prayed long enough. Once it's happened, well, then you've prayed long enough. You see, it's not, it's not rocket science, is it? 
If you haven't seen the, pra- the answer to your prayer, then keep praying. The great prophet Elijah, we read the story of him winning this amazing battle against other prophets of Baal. And uh, God comes down and does an amazing thing. And straight after that, there's this amazing example of, of persistence in prayer. It's in 1 Kings 18. Uh, starting verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. And then I think Elijah probably thought, Hmm, okay. <laughs> so Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. He's realized now that actually there's no rain. And he says, uh, says Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went, up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, "Ah, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling, much like it is right now. Let's play counterfactual theorist again. What if Elijah had prayed five times, six times, and he'd be saying, the servant must have been like, Elijah, it's not happening. <laughs> Elijah, I'm sick. Of, I've been back and forward six times here, and each time there's no cloud. Elijah, I'm telling you, yep, no, still no cloud. Still no cloud, Elijah. Yep, no, still no cloud. Elijah must have been getting like, oh, oh I told him it's coming. I reckon Elijah would have prayed 10,000 times if it, if it had taken that. He had that spirit in him that was just, well, God will do it. It's just a matter of how long I've got to wait for. But after seven times, he saw the start. And then in faith, he said, go tell him it's coming. It's coming. Sometimes we just need to pray to the point that we have a, something in our heart that goes, oh, it's happened. Even before it's happened, if you know what I mean? Sometimes you can pray and you can pray and then something will just shift on the inside of you and you're like, oh no, I know it's going to happen now. I know this is going to be a reality. I think actually that's the point that God wants us to get to. And then we can, we can almost stop praying because there's an expectation and we know we've prayed enough and it will happen. Elijah prayed through that situation. Because see, if we're honest, it's easy to give up. It's far easier to give up on our dreams. To give up on asking for a miracle. To give up on, on promises that we believe God's made. It's easy to lose heart. Easy to lose patience. Easy to lose faith. And like a, a slow leak in a tire... Before you know it, your prayer life has gone flat. And you've stopped asking. You've stopped praying. I guess I want to ask you a hard question this morning. What have you given up on? What have you stopped believing for? Now, maybe not deliberately. You haven't got up in the morning and said, I'm stopping praying for this. I don't believe God can come through. But just over time, not seeing it happen, you're Prayers have kind of petered out. Maybe it's a loved one coming to know God. 
Maybe it's a dream that you have for a business or a ministry or a, a mission. Come on, God wants to resurrect those dreams, those things that he's placed in your heart this morning. You see, the reason many of us give up too soon is that we feel like we have failed when God hasn't answered our prayer. Can I say to you this morning, that's not failure. That's not failure. The only way you can fail is by stopping praying. That's how you fail. Stopping praying is the failure. God not answering your prayer is not failure. Because you can pray again. Come on, some of, some of you, you've actually failed because you've stopped praying. Yes, God hasn't answered yet, but He wants to. And some of those things you're believing for can only be, can only happen if you pray through them. Because oftentimes there's, there's barriers to our answered prayer. All power is at God's disposal, but sometimes for reasons that we don't understand, actually, He wants us to pray more. Often I think it's about relationship. He wants us closer. Because how many of you know when you are not got anything to pray for, then sometimes your prayer life just kind of goes by the by? Because, well, I'm sweet. I don't need God anymore. But actually... We need to pray through. We need, see, there's a, there's a faith barrier that we need to pray through. May I invite you up? Uh, the best analogy I've found in this is actually in aviation. In aviation, there's a thing called the sound barrier. This is just for Joe Ash, our future pilot here. Uh, it was once considered unbreakable sound barrier. Many engineers believe that Mach 1, the speed of sound, was actually an impenetrable wall of air. And the dozens of pilots who had died trying to break that barrier just strengthened that belief. See, at low speeds, shockwaves don't affect a plane too much. But as an aircraft reaches higher and higher speeds, the laws of aerodynamics change. And, and as, a, as a plane approaches the speed of sound, a shockwaves come against it that can cause a pilot to lose control. And actually, at this time, the British, among many others, had put on hold their attempts at breaking the sound barrier. The British put it on hold when their prototype, the Swallow, self-destructed at Mach 0.94. So Mach 1 is the speed of sound, they're just 0.94. But their plane disintegrated because of the shockwaves. I, I want to read you a story from a book on prayer. Uh, on October 14th, 1947, a four-engine B-29 took off from uh, Maroc Field high up in the Californian desert. Attached to the belly of the bomber was the Bell X-1 experimental plane. At 25,000 feet, the X-1 dropped from the fuselage. Its rocket engine fired into life, and then it ascended to 42,000 feet. As the plane approached Mach 1, it began to shake violently. The challenge of controlling the plane was compounded by the fact that Chuck Yeager, the pilot, had broken two ribs while horseback riding two days before. He didn't tell his colleagues because he didn't want to delay history and his chance to make it. As his plane hit Mach 0.965, the speed indicator went haywire. At Mach 0.995, the G-force blurred his vision and turned his stomach. Then, just as it seemed as if the plane would disintegrate, there was a loud sonic boom 
followed by an almost instantaneous and eerie silence. As the plane crossed the sound barrier, that's 1,235 kilometers an hour, the air pressure shifted from the front of the plane to the back. The shock waves that had buffeted the cockpit turned into a sea of glass. Jaeger reached Mach 1.07 before cutting the engines and coming back down to earth. The unbreakable barrier had been broken. See, just like there's a sound barrier that that plane had to break through, there's a faith barrier in our lives. And breaking that faith barrier is much like breaking the sound barrier. If you want to experience supernatural breakthrough, you have to pray through. And to pray through, as you get closer and closer to the answer, things get harder and harder. Things start to kind of feel like they're falling apart. Things want to take a nosedive and and just go out of control. That's when you've got to hold on and pray for all you've got. That's when you're that close to the miracle. That's when you've got to pray through. You see, if you allow them, your, your, your doubts, your disappointments, they'll be drag on your life. They'll, they'll try and drag your dreams down. They'll try and bring you to the earth. But if you can push through, if you can just push through that little bit longer, you will break through to that sea of calm and your prayer will be answered and things will shift. I just believe this morning God wants to do that for you. I don't know in what area, but I know there are things in your lives you want to see shift. There are things that you want to see change, and maybe you've stopped. Maybe you've, you've given up, or maybe you're right at Mac.99 and you've just got to pray one more prayer to see that happen. Maybe things are shaking and maybe stuff is hard and you feel like you just can't go any further. Perfect. You're that close. You're that close. And today, this is an atmosphere of faith. You see, we can add our prayers to yours. We can add our faith to yours and we can agree together to see a shift, to see that breakthrough happen in your life. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I'm going to pray, but actually I don't want to pray for you. You need to pray. You need to pray through your situation. You need to believe for that. I can carry some faith for you, but ultimately it's a, when we pray, there's a, there's this kind of dance going on between God, between the prayer, between other people praying. And we don't, we don't understand completely how it works, but there is power when we gather together, when we pray together. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, that's okay. You can just, um, just, just sit tight and enjoy the atmosphere. But if you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, then this is the time that you can pray. If you can't pray in church, then where can you pray? Come on. If you, if you can't pray out loud in church, then, then we need to work on this. And this is a good place to start. But I, I want, I, I, just, just for a moment, I want you to, to come to God. And possibly it's already on your heart. Possibly you already know what that thing is. But if not, 
Just right now, ask God, what is the thing? Maybe it's a person coming to know Christ. Maybe it's a a financial situation. Maybe it's a a relationship you want to see restored. Maybe it's a a mission or a ministry or something, a business you want to launch. Whatever it is, bring it right now. I'm going to pray a prayer and then I want us all to begin praying for that thing. And Matt will play nice and loud on the keys and we'll create an atmosphere that, that can help you. But ultimately, you've got to do the praying.